0: 15 verse number 22 down through verse 28 once you found that if you're able to if you would stand for the reading of god's word you've been sitting for a good long time so let's stretch those legs get some blood flowing through make sure you're awake all right no one's sleeping in church i hope amen Uh, we'll begin together in verse 22 and we'll read every other verse um, out loud together down through verse number 28 all right let's begin together in verse 22 here we go and behold a woman of canaan Help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The title of the sermon today is an interesting one. It's this, what to do when God doesn't listen. Have you ever felt like you were praying and your prayers were just bouncing around the room and going nowhere? You felt as though your prayers weren't being heard? What do you do when you find yourself in a place like this woman, this Canaanite woman, who came to God and flat out got ignored? What do you do when God ignores you? You know, David felt that way. David said over and over again in the Psalms, Lord... Listen to me, I need you, I need you right now, please don't give me a deaf ear. And what do you do when it feels as though heaven is giving you a deaf ear? We're going to look at that tonight, this morning through this Shulabite woman and consider this topic. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we're thankful for the message uh, and uh, from your word today that we'll hear. Lord, my prayer is that all of us would open up our hearts and we would be persistent prayer warriors. Prayer would not just be something we do before we eat a meal, something we do when things get really tough, but it would be something it would be a way of life for us. And Lord, we would turn and pray for everything, and we would be persistent in our prayers, and we wouldn't just ask, but we would knock. And we wouldn't just knock, but we would seek, and we would seek you with our whole heart. Lord, thank you for this passage and press it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Troubles just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, Why, child, you didn't knock? I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I called on the Lord for the reason. He said, You didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. You may have read in a history book or sat in a history class and heard how George Washington found rest and relief in prayer during the trying times he and his soldiers passed through while taking a winter retreat at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. With all the cares and anxieties that that time uh, of that time upon him, he used to find peace through prayer. There's a famous painting of George Washington kneeling in prayer in the middle of the snow and praying. One day a farmer approached the camp and heard an earnest voice. On coming near, he saw George Washington on his knees. His cheeks were wet with tears. He was praying to God. The farmer returned home and said to his wife, George Washington will succeed. Mr. Washington will indeed succeed succeed. The Americans will secure their independence. What makes you think so, Isaac asked his wife. The farmer replied, I heard him pray, Hannah. I heard him pray. While I was out in the woods today, I heard him pray, and the Lord will surely hear his prayer. He will, Hannah. We may rest assured he will. Did you notice the title of the sermon this morning? What to do when God doesn't listen? I, I want to begin the sermon by just stating for you some scriptural reasons why maybe God wouldn't hear your prayer. And, and so I'll just list these quickly with little comment. The first reason I have down is lack of relationship. Lack of relationship. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29, it says, The Lord is far From the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. The Lord is far from the wicked. Did you know you can be saved and still be wicked? You can be saved and still be living a wicked lifestyle, and you turn to God in prayer during a tough time, and you know that God may just choose to cut the line, or rather allow your sin to cut the line, and he may not even hear your prayer. How about this one, personal sin? Psalm chapter 66, verse number 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He will not hear me. You know what that means? The Lord's turned a deaf ear to me. What does it mean to regard iniquity in my heart? Uh, people used to sign letters that were written. They would put regards and then their name. And that word regard means a kind affection, a love uh, 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 toward. And someone who has a regard towards sin. It isn't that they commit sin. It isn't even that they have habitual sin. It's that deep down they love their habitual sin. There is a regard there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 28 verse 9 words it this way. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. You sit in church and the word of God is preached and you hear the laws of the Bible given out and you know your life is in contrast to that and you get up and you walk out and you you turn a deaf ear to where the bible shows that you're wrong the bible says that god does not hear your prayer personal sin lack of relationship here's the third reason selfish prayers selfish prayers james chapter 4 verse 2 and 3 says ye lust and have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain ye fight and war yet ye have not why because ye ask not then verse 3 goes on to say ye ask And receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. You know, sometimes when we pray, we're praying for God to give us things so that our flesh can be pleased. Lord, I sure wish such and such would treat me better. Why? So you could be happy? I sure wish I could have a a nicer car or a a, a bigger house or newer clothes. You know, these clothes, Lord, are getting a little threadbare. It would sure be nice if I could have a new shirt or a new pair of pants. And, Lord, it sure would be nice if if I had a car that had air conditioning or uh, heat that worked better. It sure would be nice if, you know, I could eat steak a little more often or go out to eat a little more often. We're praying selfish prayers so we can consume it upon our own lust. We're praying in a way that is selfish. And the Bible says, Ye have not because ye ask amiss. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. But you say, Pastor, what do I do if I check off all those boxes? I have a relationship with God and I pray regularly. And Pastor, I don't have a regard for sin in my life. Yes, I sin, but I don't do it on purpose and I don't even enjoy it when I do it. I check that box. And Pastor, I don't pray selfishly. In fact, generally speaking, I pray for others. And Pastor, I check all these boxes and it still feels as though God is ignoring me. It still feels as though so, my prayers aren't getting through. Pastor, what do I do then? I propose this morning that many Christians don't get through to God because either they are praying the wrong prayers or they are not persistent in their prayers. They are not persistent in their prayer time. I want us to take the story of this Shulamite woman, this woman from the land of. Shulam, as another gospel tells us. Here she's labeled as a Canaanite woman, the Shulamite woman. I want us to look at her story here in Matthew 15 and have noticed five thoughts about what to do when God doesn't listen. Point number one this morning, I hope you'll take notes as we go along here. Notice her position in life, her position in life. Look at Matthew chapter 15. And look at verse 22. The Bible says, And behold, a woman of Canaan. A woman of Canaan. Right there at the very beginning of the verse, we find that this person has two strikes against her. Two strikes against her. The first strike that this person has against her is that she is... A woman. You say, well, pastor, why is that a strike against her? Because uh, just like it's true today, it was true back then, women in the Middle East are treated like second-class citizens. Many of them are not allowed to have a driver's license. They are not allowed to uh, uh, show anything beyond their eyeballs. And all they're for is cooking and giving birth to children. And uh, many cultures in the Middle East treat women like second-rate citizens, Women in America complain that they don't have rights. And while I'm sure it could be better for women in America, it sure is far better in Western culture than it is in Middle Eastern culture. And this woman comes to God, and by the very fact that she was a woman, that automatically was a strike against her. She was a woman coming to a man that was not her husband and asking something of her. But we see here the second strike against her is that she was of Canaan. She was a Gentile. She was a Gentile, and a Canaanite woman, a woman of Cana, a Gentile woman, had no place in society asking anything of a Jewish man. Look down at verse number twenty four but he Jesus answered and said, "I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel." A little later in this passage, Christ uses societal labels on this lady. Look down at verse twenty six but Jesus but he Jesus answered and said, "It is not meat, it is not convenient." to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. He was saying here, I'm sent to the house of Israel. I am the bread of heaven, sent primarily and first to the house of Israel. You are a Gentile. You are a dog. And I'm not here to give the bread to the dogs. We see here this woman's position in life. She was in no place to be asking anything of God. And God wasn't listening. Number one, her position in life. Number two, notice her problems at home. Her problems at home. What drove this woman to leave Canaan, to, to come to Israel, to find Jesus and to pursue him? Look at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Here we find her problem. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, um, how is it that a child can become demon-possessed? That's something, isn't it? To think that a little child, a little girl, could become possessed with the devil. When I was four years old, I had been raised in church exposed to church, exposed to the Bible, taught the Bible, taught about Jesus, taught about the Holy Spirit, taught about God the Father, and, 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 and given the truth about salvation. And as a four-year-old boy, after being exposed heavily to the gospel for four years, I bowed my head and I asked the Holy Spirit of God to move in and indwell me. Do you know that if a four-year-old exposed to the right things can invite the Holy Spirit in to possess him, did you know that a four-year-old exposed to the wrong things can invite a demon to enter in and possess him or her? And A lot of people are being raised around sat- Satanism. Satanism. It may not look that way on the surface, but that's what it is. And children can be, become possessed with the devil. I'll use a different illustration here than I used at 11, but my dad uh, has been a Christian school administrator for most of my life. He just retired from that a couple of years ago. But I remember when I was 16, we moved from Alabama to Baltimore. So my dad could start a Christian school out of the Rosedale Baptist Church. And that school is huge now, runs over a thousand students. It was two or three hundred students when he left. But in the early days of that school, when we were under a hundred students, we had a kindergartner uh, uh, join the, the the school. His dad wasn't a Christian, didn't go to church, but we let kindergartners come in, uh, church or unchurched. And we, my dad ended up having to expel a four-year-old. Expel a four-year-old. You say, why would a four-year-old get expelled from a Christian school because dad had him at home at night time and dad was watching X-rated films on the TV and had his four-year-old sitting there watching them with him. And he was coming to school talking about bedroom scenes with the other four-year-olds. My dad pulled the little boy into his office with his dad. It was a, a situation where mom wasn't around, and my dad questioned this father on that. And uh, the, um, uh, the, the dad said, he's going to find out about this stuff at some point anyway. He might as well begin finding out about it with me now. And my dad looked at uh, this uh, father, and he said, clearly, we're of a different mindset. You can take your child and put him somewhere else and dismiss him from the school. Uh, that boy was being opened up and exposed to, and by the way, I would label that as child abuse, but opening up and exposing that young man to what I believe is demonic oppression and possibly possession at a young age. What are some doors to demonic oppression and even demonic possession? Here are some doors that people open up to unclean spirits. Uh, uh, the music industry, there's a lot of music out there that is satanic. Driven and invites in the occult to be involved in people's lives. Some of it is uh, uh, overt and obvious. Some of it is more covert in nature. Be careful what music you listen to in your car, around yourself, even and your, definitely your children. Drugs, drug is drugs are an avenue uh, into uh, certain drugs are an avenue uh, that Satan uses to oppress and sometimes possess Angry spirit. An angry spirit is another way. How about pornography? Sexual abuse. These are avenues that uh, parents can uh, have around their home and allow satanic uh, oppression, and if you're lost, possibly possession into the home. Now with this woman here, we don't know how her daughter became demonically possessed, but we know that clearly this child was demonically possessed. This woman was so bothered by it, she saw it, Jesus. And so we see, number one, we see her position in life. She was a woman and a, a, a Gentile woman at that. Number two, we see her problem at home. She had a little girl who was creating great havoc in the home. Maybe she was cutting herself. Maybe she was trying to drown herself. Maybe she was trying to throw herself uh, off of, uh, high, high places and destroy her body. And maybe she was hurting others, but we know she was demon possessed. Number three, we see her plea to the Lord her plea to the Lord. Look back with me at Matthew chapter 15 and verse 22. The Bible says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. Notice the urgency of her prayer, saying, Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a, a devil. Many parents don't know where to turn when their children are totally out of control or when their own life is totally out of control. We don't know why this lady's daughter had become possessed with a demon, but we do know that this woman knew exactly where to turn in time of need. And I have to give this lady a lot of credit. I give her uh, high praise that when things got bad, when things were really tough in her life. She had heard that there was this man walking around Israel who was able to uh, uh, cast out demons and she said, My daughter has a demon. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go see him. He has the answers. I'm not going to turn uh, to some seance or I'm not going to turn to some doctor. I'm not going to turn to some pill. I'm going to go see the Lord and I'm going to let this uh, Jesus character help me out. Many people will try everything but God first, and when all of that fails, then they turn to God. Can I tell you that I'm guilty of that sometimes too? I have a problem come in my life, and you know, I'm, I'm big, and I'm strong, and I'm capable, and I'm, I'm smart, and I, I'm a college graduate, and I know the Bible, and I know how to work my way through a problem, and I want to work through it myself. And when that doesn't work, you know what the next thing I'm tempted to do is? pick up the phone and call someone who maybe knows the Bible a little better than me and let them tell me how to fix it. And then, if that fails, I'll get on my knees and finally I'll pray. You know where my mistake is when I do that? I should have prayed first. I should have turned to the Lord first. Hey, this woman, this Canaanite Shulamite woman, she didn't know where to go, but instead of running to everywhere else first, she ran to the Lord. Now, I preached a sermon many years ago. I don't know that I've ever preached it here, but I preached it many years ago. Maybe I will preach it here someday or preach it again if I preach it here. But uh, the title of the sermon was Five Stages of Prayer. And the idea here is that as we grow in our prayer life, we add one to the other and that we grow in our prayer life. Let me give you those five stages with a little comment here. There was desperation praying. That's stage one. Desire praying, stage 2. Write these down if you'd like. Dependence praying, stage 3. Devotion praying, stage 4. And distribution praying, stage 5. Let me give give those to you again here. Desperation, desire, dependence, devotion, and distribution. Desperation, desire, dependence, devotion, distribution. And listen, we all ought to pray in desperate times. But can I tell you that for many Christians, that's the only time they pray, is when things get desperate. I I watch when drastic, crazy things happen on the world stage, maybe in America. I remember the Columbine shooting that happened, and I remember that prayer and, and Bible were not allowed in school. And all of a sudden, when a couple of madmen go in and start shooting up the school, the kids gather around the flag post holding hands and what are they doing they're praying isn't it crazy that they weren't allowed to pray before the guns came out but no one judged them once the guns started blazing you know before we go throwing stones at the public school system many Christians aren't much better we only pray if we're honest A lot of us, things get really bad. We see this woman, she's just having a nightmare situation. If you've ever had a child at home that was out of control, you know how horrible your life is. That's where this woman was. We see that she came and she went to the right place. We see her plea to the Lord. You say well pastor things went smooth right she has this problem and she ran to the Lord to help uh, so he'd help her and surely given how gracious Jesus is man he just brought her right in to listen to her and just took care of her problem right well not so fast number one her problem in life number two her problem or rather her position in life her problem at home number three her plea to the lord number four notice her persistence in asking look back with me at Matthew 15 verse 23 The Bible says, but he, speaking of Jesus, answered her not a word. He ignored her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Well, that's a good, quick, short prayer. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. By reason of principle, God was telling this woman, No, I will not help you. Now, before you get all offended at Jesus' actions... Let me sort of give you a bird's-eye view of what's going on here. The Lord knew that this woman would persist. And so he pushed her to make a point in Scripture for you and I, or for us, for me and you rather. What What was the point he was trying to make? The point he was trying to make is don't give up so quick. Sometimes when you pray... It's not going to go according to plan. Don't be a weak prayer. Don't be weak in your prayer life. Boy, persist, pursue until you get an answer from God. Now watch the exchange here. She comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal her daughter. Jesus completely ignores her. There he is, and she comes up, and he won't make eye contact with her. And she says, Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Can you help? And Jesus turns around and walks away. My goodness. But she wasn't going to give up. So she goes to the twelve disciples and says, Can you please get your master to heal my daughter? And they ignore her. And so she stays after the disciples. One at a time, looking for that weak link where she can get a compassionate ear. And finally, the disciples look at Jesus and say, Can you get this woman to go away and leave us alone? And she looks at Jesus and she says, Lord, help me! And then Jesus insults her. He says, I'm not here for you Gentiles I'm here for Israel first. He said, It's not convenient for me to take the bread from heaven and give it to you Gentile dogs. You know, that woman could have taken that insult and went home with her daughter not healed and been totally offended at Jesus. And maybe justifiably so. But she didn't. She didn't. She could have said, that Jesus character is a racist. He did throw a racist slur at her. And I'm not justifying using racist slurs. Don't do that. He was making a point for us. This woman persisted. You know what she did? She must have come down and gotten on her knees and said, Yes, Lord, I am a Gentile dog. But even the dogs get to eat of the crumbs that fall from the table. All I want are some crumbs, Lord. And God looked at her and said, Your faith is so strong. Your daughter is healed. She went home that day with a daughter that was no longer demonically possessed. Because she wouldn't let go. She wouldn't give up. Many of us here today struggle with our attention span. Tonight I'm going to preach on overcoming temptation. We're going to look at Matthew 4 about how Christ overcame temptation. And we're going to... Follow, learn how to follow His pattern in overcoming our own temptation. I hope you'll be back at 6 o'clock tonight. That's a shameless plug for my message. I really hope you'll be back. But can I say to you that one of the things I'm going to talk about that message is that we are hooked on instantaneous gratification. I need it right now. And folks, I'll tell you one thing I've learned after many decades of praying. That is not how God operates. Heaven is not... McDonald's drive through window. You don't pull up and order a prayer and get it two minutes later at the window with extra, extra uh, special sauce. It's just not how it works. And Americans, we have short attention spans. You ever watch TV and notice how quickly they change camera angles? It's like every two or three seconds. They got a new camera angle. Why? Because they know they'll lose your attention if they don't. Many Christians can't pray for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes an hour. Why? Because, well, man, our mind's on to something else. Mind's on to something else. Cell phones have done a lot to damage our attention span as well. And God says, I want you to persist in prayer. Get on your knees and persist. All right, let's go over the outline together here. Do you have it filled out there on your paper? All right, we're going to see who does. I want you to speak up and help me here. When we get to the alliterated word, say it with me. Ready? Here we go. Number one, her position in life. Number two, her problems at home number three her plea to the lord number four her persistence in asking number five notice her pleasure in receiving her pleasure in receiving look down at verse number 28 then jesus answered and said unto her "O woman great is thy faith be it unto thee even as thou wilt and her daughter was made whole from that very hour how did her daughter get healed there were two factors here all right write these down below The fifth point, if you can, or some space on your paper. Notice the two factors to an answered prayer. The first factor was the faith of the woman. The faith of the woman. This woman, when she got on her horse or her mule, or strapped on her sandals and went for a long walk to find Jesus, she knew in her heart what the end result was going to be. She never doubted. She never questioned. She knew that God was going to heal her daughter. And she knew that when she found Jesus, that she wasn't going to leave until God could. Her faith And God was strong. And I believe many of us, we pray with so little faith that God doesn't answer our prayers because we really aren't sure if God wants to answer our prayer to begin with. Number two, the second factor here, the two factors, the faith of the woman, the second factor is the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord. Aren't you glad we serve a God? We looked at this last week. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing is impossible. You know, when you mix together The faith of the Christian and the power of God, you can do some crazy, incredible things in prayer. But it takes a persistence, a persistence. What is it that you need from God? Some of you are going through a hard time in your life right now. What is it that you need from God? How desperate are you? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed deeply about it? Have you prayed regularly about it? Have you persisted in prayer about it? Maybe you need to become a child of God. You see, if you're not even saved, God's under no obligation to hear your prayer. You say, how do I get saved? You come to a place where you realize you're a sinner. That's hell bound because that's where all sinners are going to go. You understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? You humble your heart and you receive the gift of eternal life. Maybe you need to become a child of God. Maybe you are saved, but you just need to confess the regard for sin in your heart. You need to take your sin more serious. Maybe you need to change your approach and stop with the selfish praying. But if you are doing everything right and feel as though you are not getting through then I would encourage you to do two things. Purify your worship and pray deeper. Purify your worship and pray deeper. Labor in prayer. Skip a meal and fast. Get on your knees and pray. Uh, Pray for 20 minutes, then for 30 minutes, then for 45 minutes, then an hour, and beg God, sweat while you pray. Weep while you pray. Uh, Lose sleep in prayer. Labor in prayer. Uh, Work at it and get hold of God. Why? Because you'll see the joy, the pleasure of receiving if you can get hold of God. Sometimes God still says no to our prayers, but oftentimes He's looking for us to persist. I'll finish with this. I'll I'll be done with this. You know, as a dad, I get annoyed when my children are persistent. My children are trained not to do this now because I've uh, taken things away from them over it. But when they were really little, you know what they do? We tell them that we're going to go out to eat. We're going to take them to some place. You know, and um, maybe we're going to take them at 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And all day long, when are we going to leave? When are we going? When we get there, can I get this? When we get there, can I do that? And you know, like the fifth or sixth time they ask you, I just turn and look at them and say, if you ask me one more time, we're not going. Don't ask how many parents can relate. You know exactly what I'm talking about, alright? Persistence gets on my nerves. But it sure doesn't get on his nerves. He wants you to persist. Hey, you can pray about it every five minutes. Lord, don't forget. Lord, don't forget. Lord, don't forget. Lord, don't forget. And he looks down and smiles every time and says, thank you for praying. Thank you for praying. Thank you for praying. So few Christians have a true prayer life that when one of his children acknowledge him and spend time with him and talk to him, oh, you may not dot every I right. You may not cross every T exactly the way it ought to be crossed. Your prayers may be wonky sometimes and you may not get it all always right. But God just enjoys the fact that you're in his presence talking to Him and we pray and we pray and we pray and we persist and we persist and we persist and for no other reason God looks down and says one, that prayer pleases me and two, I love the fact that you're so persistent let me give you what you are asking for by faith oh Christian, don't give up don't pray feeble prayers pray wholehearted prayers that are serious get hold of God And ask Him to do great things. Let's have our heads bowed in eyes closed this morning. What to do when God doesn't listen? We we, we check our heart. We purify our faith. Purify our worship. And then we pray deeper. How about it today? Christian, do you have a prayer life? Or do you only pray for meals and when things get really tough? Some of you are here this morning and you need to get your heart right before you take the Lord's Supper. You need to make sure your relationship's are right before you partake of the Lord's Supper. During this time of invitation, why don't we consider the subject matter of the message, whether or not we're praying scripturally, and also make sure our heart is right with God and others. Lord, this morning, would you take the message and would you help us to apply it into our daily living? Lord, may we follow the example of this Canaanite woman who had no business being in your presence, but because of her persistence was able to see her daughter healed. Lord, help us to follow her example. And Lord, as we begin to prepare our hearts for a time of remembering your great sacrifice on the cross, Lord, help us to have our hearts in a place that are ready for that. In Jesus' name.